for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome back to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we have a very special guest joining us today. All the way from Nashville, we have Allie. How's it going today, Allie? Amazing. So much better now. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm really excited to chat with you and get to know more about you. I've been listening to your music all day and, you know, just the the personality you portray on all your music just brightened my entire day up. So I'm just really excited to sit down and chat with you and, uh, you know, get to know more about you. Oh, thank you so much. So, um, so you're originally from Edmonton, Alberta, and but you're now based out of Nashville. So, w- what was it kind of like growing up in Edmonton? Cold, for starters. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, it was a lot of praying for snow days, many months through the year, and um, of course, being in country music, I I like to say Alberta especially at least has a home for country music because where I'm from, you've got the Canadian finals rodeo, um, which is like one of the biggest rodeos in Canada. Um, and a lot of, a lot of farmers throughout the prairies too. And my mom's family is also small town from the province over, but we've got farmers in the family who still live in a small town and all that. So very thankful to be raised in the prairies in Canada. Nice. Nice. It's, uh, one of the best decisions I ever made was, uh, so back when I, after I graduated college, I almost moved up to like the most northern city in North Dakota. Like we were like 30 minutes from the border of Canada. And I was sitting there and I was talking to a few people that were like considered locals. They're like, are you ready for the winners up here? And I'm like, I'm from Chicago. I'm good. And they're like, no, here's the thing. And they broke it down to me. And I'm like, uh, Ma, I don't want to live here anymore. I'm good. <laughs> so I, I can only imagine what it was like in actually in Canada. So it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, you, you said uh, country music kind of has a home in in Edmonton. Uh, is that kind of how you got in or how did you get into music with just kind of being in the thick of it or? Well, Long story short, um, my parents both loved music. My mom grew up singing in the school choir and my dad played drums growing up, but always talks about how his mom just bought him like the rubber pad to practice on and never got actual drums. So hmm. a big thing that my parents wanted for when they had kids was having instruments in the house that they could play. So um, when I was very, very little, we uh, we got a piano and Sure enough, my mom ran out of time taking care of me as a, as a child. And I got thrown into piano lessons and um, turned out that I could sight read really well. There's a whole long story behind that. But long story short, I fell in love with music. My parents always made sure we were going to live shows. Mm. I grew up in the pop era okay. of, of the 90s. So lots of Britney Spears and NSYNC and Nickelback as well. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, we were raised on just good music, yep. not specific genre. Um, so that's kind of where the inspiration started. 
Okay. I remember those days. Those were good days. I just being in grade school and, you know, I wasn't a big Nickelback fan, but you know, I, I think I kind of fell into that trap of uh, a lot of people hated Nickelback. Uh, you know, obviously not everybody hated them because otherwise they wouldn't have released, what was it like three albums or whatever it was, but it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, like the pop genre of like the boy bands and then you had like Britney Spears and all that stuff. So is when you first started like performing music, is that kind of the realm you thought you were going to go or? I fell in, I think, especially because of the piano influence more into the, like the piano ballad pop side of things is where things kind of started just playing music. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I would sit down and just kind of play my favorite songs mm-hmm. and sit down at the piano. But then as I kind of started writing, I heard other influences in my brain and it was like the Brad Paisley's and the Sarah Evans that brought me yeah. to country music. Um, so as I started writing, when I was 14, 15, I would always hear like more classic country instruments like the banjo and the mandolin, but having interesting effects on them so that they didn't sound, you know, as traditional. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it took a minute to find a producer at that point who could hear the same kind of thing that I was hearing, obviously, yeah. because that was just the start of the like country pop era. Yeah. Um, so I kind of get to say that I was a part of the start of all of that. Yeah, for sure. That's um, you, you brought up the mandolin, which you play the mandolin, correct? Is, a little or, bit. I don't a, even want to say I play it, but like I know enough to get myself through a show on the mandolin. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I just saw we were talking about your Wikipedia page and it was listed on there. And I was like, OK, well, if it's listed there, she has to play at least enough to get herself through. So if it helps, I think I can play the alto sax better than I can the mandolin. <laughs> Fair. Very. That's, hey. That works. Um, so kind of, so your parents were very musical as you were saying, and, uh, you, you picked up the piano, you're, you're kind of working in the pop realm. And then as that, that nineties country sound started turning a little bit more pop as we was, that had to be like late nineties at that point. Right. When. Absolutely. Well, even getting into the Shania era, if you want to talk about Canadian influences, like that definitely was a part of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just as kind of country music started to make that pop turn, um, is that kind of that that was kind of the drive into country music for you? Oh, uh, what was kind of the at what point did you start to realize, hey, this is something that I need to start. Rec- I need to start like recording my own music. I know you started releasing music in like 2013 and that stuff. And obviously we're still in the 90s, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I always wanted to be on stage. That's the thing. I grew up performing and dancing and all those things. So I always wanted to be on stage. But when it came point to record was, I was probably about 18. And I had all these songs that I had written by myself in my bedroom. And I was like, okay, I just, I need to put these somewhere so that I can show other people what I'm capable of. Yeah. Um, Before the days of, you know, TikTok and Instagram, it was, you know, (laughs) your own mixtape really now was the country scene in canada were you like recording your music burning it on cds and doing it kind of like with the the hip-hop and the independent rappers do where they're sitting out there at the flea markets and just kind of hustling their own cds was it's it- funny to say that because i was hustling and in, in a way but the way that i did it is once i had the album i was like 
these songs sound pretty good Mm -hmm. compared to what I hear on the radio. So I literally started calling up like every country radio station across Canada. And I was like, Hey, my name's Allie. This is my first single. And it's funny because the first single real, um, it had, it was like just shy of cracking the top 50 as a complete indie artist who was just calling up radio stations being like, Hey, this is me. And I think you should play the song. And that's a pretty cool start. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's sad that like radio, a lot of people don't consider radio as a legitimate way to push their music right now. Yeah. Like, especially once you get into that, like pop realm and stuff, but radio is still such a good platform. And there's so nowadays that, uh, a lot of stations are trying to stand out. They play the more independent stuff, which okay. is really cool. And I wish more independent musicians would like approach radio stations and be like, Hey, can you play my music? Cause you know, I go on TikTok every once in a while and there'll be a f- artist that I follow. And it's like, Hey, the station I grew up listening to just played my music. That's you see. And that's the cool thing that it can bridge. Cause I think old ways of radio was just like, okay, you never get to see the person behind the song, yep. but now in the modern world we're in, you can hear the song and then find the artist on TikTok. And I think it's just, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, so you're kind of going through this like hustler phase of trying to, uh, you know, get your music out there, which big props to you. I know, it, that's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so kind of th- at this point, you're 18, you're out of school. Did you end up going to college or did you just kind of? I did. I ended okay. up going to university for a couple of years while I was trying to make the album, while I was also on the road touring. And it just came to the point, I know it kills my mom. She was like, I wish you could have at least just got in a piece of paper. And I, I just... It came to the point where I was learning so much Mm. being a part of the music world where not that I will slight school at all. I think it's very important to go to school. If there are any kids watching, go to school. Um, But there also is something about jumping in and just like grinding your teeth and and working towards something and just seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. So you were to, you started touring before you re- were releasing music. Is is that what I'm picking up on? Taking um, any gig I could, I was playing a lot of, private events too mm-hmm. for just like piano wise I, I was still playing classical piano gigs all the time just for whoever needed a piano player so I was I was all over the place just trying to play as much music as I possibly could nice nice that's really that, so kind of go how did you kind of balance everything like because obviously doing like the piano gigs you're either playing covers or you're you're essentially playing somebody else's music but you totally. also got your own creative passions that you want to do over here but then you also got school how did you kind of balance everything I think having a little getaway from everything at some point kept me sane I know that sounds odd but it was just like okay you focus here for an hour you focus here for an hour you focus here for an hour and at some point everything gets finished (laughs) for sure for sure um so going through school you you um you you finish or you you do the school thing for a little bit where does the um were, were you named up up and coming artist in canada or what was this i was reading i'm trying to remember yeah. what it was. um goodness this is there was a couple of years um i was nominated for ccma awards which was wild um for female artist and rising star and that was 
pretty cool and unexpected because I went from being just like an independent artist to, you know, signing a label deal and Mm -hmm. being at an award show where my name was being called. And the coolest part was, is that year it was in Saskatoon, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the province over where all my mom's family is from and in like an hour around. So it was like all of my family there too. And just Mm -hmm. like the coolest way to experience the first like that. Gotcha. So just so we cause I felt like we kind of jumped time a little bit there. Uh, where, where does the rising female artists and getting signed to the label, where is that in comparison to like after you left school? How? Yeah. So after I left school and had that first single come out on country <laughs> radio, um, I then hired a radio tracker to work the second single, yeah. um, which ended up going top 25 as an indie and sent labels after me like crazy, which I did not Mm -hmm. expect at that point in my life. Um, And it all happened very quickly. And by the time, you know, we sat down and started working on music while I was signed to the label, it was probably two years, I'd say, into into being with the label that that we kind of got nominated, which is wild. So I wasn't jumping around as much as I thought. I was sitting here. I was no. trying to. I was like, wait a minute. I feel like there's some missing time here. At you know, so because uh, I noticed that like the first your first project you released released independently that was 2013. That was yeah. uh, the road goes everywhere. That mm-hmm. was released independently, and then you got signed to uh, Universal. Yeah, it was Wax Records under Universal. So it was it was pretty cool. Nice. So let's talk about that experience. What obviously getting a record deal is a dream every musician has, and you got it. You got the record deal. How did they? Was it the? It was the uh, rising female artists that kind of sent everybody to you, or how did that kind of all start off? It was literally just the song um, blowing up on country radio and country radio supporting it like crazy, just an independent artist. And Mm -hmm. one of the artists who was over at wax at the time heard the song on country radio. She was a pop artist, Alyssa Reed and Alyssa heard the song on her local country radio station because she loves country music Mm -hmm. and was like, you guys have to talk to this girl because this is like, this is a really cool song. And I appreciate that. It's cool. It's cool when, when genres combine and when artists support other artists, I'm, I'm really thankful for her. Nice. So your proof that putting your music out on the radio pays off. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm such a big believer in like just throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Nice. So kind of going through the entire, the entire spectrum of getting picked up by a label, signing, releasing, and then eventually leaving the label. What was kind of some of the things that you took away from that experience? I think it was a thing that I just made every moment count. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, you know, there came a point where I was like, these are great people. I don't think necessarily just because it's a great team of people Mm -hmm. means that it works right for everyone. Um, and it's definitely all about finding your people and, um, having the same vision and all of those kinds of things. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that, that things didn't work. And that's the biggest thing that I, you know, even watch young artists struggle through right now, where they just like give up hope after the first thing when it doesn't work. And it's like, now just like, keep working, you'll find your people. So I definitely learned that through that process. And that process was also the reason where 
as soon as we had kind of like finalized everything, I was like, I just need to be in and around music full time. Like I can't be sitting here. I was still living with my parents at the time. And I was like, I can't sit here and fully know that I'm giving this everything. So I literally had called the lawyer that same week and was like, okay, what do we need to get me my visa to get me down to Nashville? I FaceTimed through the apartment that I'm in right now mm-hmm. and um, told my parents I was, I was leaving. So were, when you moved to Nashville, were you still signed to Universal or did you leave Universal and then move to Nashville? I left and then I came over here. It was yeah. like, it was a clean slate of just, you know, kind of speed tracking my way around town mm-hmm. and trying to find people that I worked really well with. Nice. So you, since you've been in Nashville now for a good minute, what's the experience? Had you been to Nashville before you decided to up and move or? Yeah, it's funny. Okay. I, my first trip to Nashville ever was 2009 and that same rodeo that I was talking about earlier, every single year they would do, um, it was called country vocal spotlight mm-hmm. and it was strictly like a karaoke vocal competition. And my sister, my younger sister who plays in my band with me, had won the youth division. So nice. we got to come down here technically because she won and I got to reap all the benefits as well. Um, but we were like backstage at the Opry, like with little big town at the time, nice. like 2009, I feel like not, I don't want to say no one knew who they were, but I was such a big fan and yeah. I thought we were still like under the scene at that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was kind of the inspiration behind, I think moving to Nashville at some point. Nice. I, I remember the first time I saw, so I saw a uh, little big town at a company picnic. Amazing. At, so uh, cool. So I, uh, I, I worked for a, ba- I, when I was in college in 2011, I think, yeah, it was either, yeah, it was 2011. I interned for a baseball team and uh, the local Pepsi distributor rented out our park and did like a family week, like a family day thing where they just kind of came in and essentially did like a company picnic, except they brought in like local Nashville acts. Cause this was in Southern Illinois and we're, it's not far from Nashville. So I remember it was a band by the name of Gloriana. Yeah. It was a uh, right after a uh, soul surfer had come out it was little big town because boondocks was just starting to like really, really pick up some momentum. Yeah. And the big headliner was a uh, Kelly Pickler. Amazing. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like, we're in the middle of nowhere at a regional Pepsi family picnic. And they're putting on this kind of a concert. What is going on right now? That is so. one of the coolest stories I think I've ever heard. <laughs> and they supposedly they did it every year. And so I was like, that's crazy. So just, I had to share, I had to share the uh, little big town story. So no, I love it. We love, we love little big town. And it's cool to think that, yeah. So like even 2009, that time yeah. frame, it was like, they were just starting to pop off, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it just shows how much time it takes to actually like really make momentum because 2009, they were starting to pick up. And then I think boondocks was, had just had been making the rounds and they were getting ready to release whatever the second big one that was afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that's crazy. Uh, well, they call Nashville a 10 year town. So sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. So, um, so you're enjoying Nashville as, is essentially what yeah. I'm picking up on. 
there's a there's nowhere else that I think you can fully immerse yourself in, especially country music, the mm -hmm. way that you can hear. Like I live one block away from the bar that all the industry people go to where yes. they have, you know, live music every single night. It's a constant reminder to like calm down and not be so high on yourself because mm -hmm. like it's a very humbling experience in this town. There's so many talented people. Yeah, for sure. I was actually, I just did a, an interview for our radio show that we do on Saturdays uh, at 4.30 today. So uh, she's also based out of Nashville. And I was telling her, I was like, yeah, next time I go to Nashville, which it'll be this summer sometime, it's just kind of trying to figure out dates and whatnot. I want to do like a local Nashville trip, like whatever it is the locals do. Because the first time I went, I just worked. Like all I did was work. I didn't enjoy anything. And yeah. then the last time I went, it was Broadway and it was the Opry. And I'm like, this is too much for me. Like, this is just too much sensory overload. And so this I'm time. I'll tell you, even as a local, still sensory overload. <laughs> yeah. But like what, when I mean at like a local trip, I want to do like whatever it is the locals do, whatever bars they hang out at or, you know. I got to look for you. So you just let me know when you're coming. <laughs> awesome. I will do that. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about your, uh, new single that you released back in April, mid April. Yeah. Sounds about right. Awesome. <laughs> uh, better with you. What's the uh, story behind this song? Oh gosh. I've been writing for this album and I'm like a sucker. I always grew up. I think it's a piano in me, but I love a good ballad, especially a heartbreak ballad and working with the producer that I'm working with this, on this album, Eric was like, hey, you're a very happy person. You're, you know, very positive. You're very uplifting. You're a very loving person. I think maybe this album is the one where we like throw in some love songs. We get a little happier with this one. And uh, I'm very excited that he guided me in that direction, but I started getting stressed out going to rights every day because I was like, okay, it's gotta be upbeat. It's gotta be positive. And that's the hardest kind of song to write. Um, but this one day I was actually heading to the car to write and swiping through like photos on my phone, trying to find some sort of inspiration. And every photo that I loved of myself, that I looked the happiest was with all of the people I loved. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, that's absolutely an idea. I think I look better with you. And I brought it in and we just ran with it. And it was the easiest, most fun song to write for this album so far. Nice, nice. And so that's ultimately what you're going towards as an album you're working towards. Gotcha. I, I'm still, again, I'm from the 90s era. I love the idea of having a full album, especially a hard copy of a full album. That is my favorite. <laughs> I'm all about the vinyls right now. I've It's been a little bit since I've been to a show that's had like vinyl where the artists had vinyl. Yeah. But, you know, if, if I go to a show and they have vinyl, it's like, I know exactly how much you paid for that. So here, take my money. So <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I almost, it's not, not that I feel bad, but it's just like, I'd much rather pay 30, whatever, you know, 30, $35 for the vinyl because it's just, an iconic piece of art. Absolutely. You know? So as long as cassette tapes don't make a comeback, like a big comeback, I'll be <laughs> yeah. okay. I'll be okay with life. So I agree with you. I, I've got too many CDs that just break CDs break too easily. And it's like, I get them when they're there, but it's just like, eh, I break them too easily. So also the 
hassle with cassettes, like the yeah. strap rewind, like yeah. all of that. Like there's, there's a little more that goes into it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, uh, so what was kind of, so this is your, this will be your fourth album, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm trying to do math. Fourth. Yes. It's hard to believe actually. Um, and through all of those processes, they've all been different. Like, I don't even mm -hmm. think, um, one album sounds like the other, although it's always been my thing. Like I don't, I appreciate the Taylor Swift ability to jump genre to genre mm -hmm. to genre and carry her fans with her. I think that is such a cool ability to have. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of my belief in creating music has been the evolution mm -hmm. of the slow evolution of, you know, this album, especially right now is feeling like it's kind of having a little more, like classic country feeling it. I got to be careful saying classic country because everyone who loves classic country is going to be like, this is not classic country. You, you but mean classic nineties country. Right. Exactly. It, it leans back into having some of those influences that I really grew up with um, yeah. and a little more of that instrumentation too. Whereas I feel like the last album before this definitely leaned more pop. Although mm -hmm. my writing style, I think just from growing up with nineties pop, um, an early 2000s pop is like, I'm a big melody writer. I love mm. everything being super hooky and ear candy that even if you're not paying attention to the, the lyrics, it gets stuck in your head. Yeah. Nice. I've talked. So I, I wasn't a huge fan of country music in the nineties. It's just, it, it wasn't on my radar growing up in South Chicago. Yeah. But every, it feels like every podcast, every radio interview I've done over the last few weeks we've reverted back to the nineties country. It, it's, and it's putting it on my radar as I'm listening to new artists and stuff. I'm just kind of picking up on a lot of these little, little things, you know, the little bit of country music that I did listen to. It's like, Oh, I'm picking up the similarities now. So. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing. I think even I've got a big love for fashion too. And it's that yeah. whole, you know, history repeats itself mm -hmm. and it's just, it consistently comes back around and I'm so happy we're back into the denim phase because my favorite color is denim and I am ready for all of that. <laughs> nice. Bring back the Jinko jeans. I'm all about exactly. it. Yeah. I don't know about those. Maybe those can stay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, so when you are, when you approach the idea of making an album or what do you, are you like specifically recording songs for an album or do you just kind of find yourself recording music and then it's like, Oh, Hey, this kind of works. We should probably work this towards an album. How, what's your approach when it comes to like working on an album? I know friends get frustrated with me. Um, friends who are in music that is because we are such a singles based market now, even with listeners. I know I listen to a lot of singles too, but I mm -hmm. think um, my own selfishness, like I said, loved an album, loved having album songs, loved having cohesive ideas, the mm -hmm. way that the, the track listing reads from one to 10 or whatever it is, it all kind of tells a story along the way. So in the back of my brain, I can't let go of that. So this album still very much has, you know, a certain group of songs picked because it felt right for this album. Yeah. And I'm completely honest, um, the album is almost done, but the thing I feel like I'm missing right now is the title track for the album. And I keep telling people that, 
because I'm like, I'm just looking for the idea that really brings all of this together. And they're like, no, that's not how you're supposed to create. And I was like, no, that's exactly yeah. how I'm going to create because that's what I'm missing. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you know you're missing something specific, it's like, why not create for it? You know, and the fact that you're trying to keep full projects very present in your, I'm going to just say release strategy, because I feel like that's the most adequate way to do it. I love that because I remember as a kid or in high, I guess not a kid as a kid in high school, my favorite thing to do was to pop in a CD or pop on a record player and go into the deep cuts, like track eight buried under three interludes. It's, you know, just like all this thing going to just go into these deep cuts that probably aren't getting released now because everybody's like, everything's got to be a single. Everybody's got to be a lead single. So. Yeah. But you know, my biggest hope is that, you know, even releasing music on TikTok or Instagram or however it is that the people who love the singles will like you go back and circle through, you know, the other stuff on the album and kind of find some of the other, the other hidden gems, should we say. Yeah. So you said that you're kind of missing the title track for this upcoming project or the string that kind of ties it all together. What is the, I guess, what is the ultimate fear? Cause I want to try and help you here because th- this is yeah. a show idea that I've been pitching for a very long time of working through this process, like this creative process of I'm working on this project, but it's missing this thing. Yeah. So you brought it up. So I kind of want to use this as an opportunity to bring my show to light. I love it. Well, okay, let's see. I've got a song. The first single was a song for my sister about mm-hmm. being 24. Um, that We have a song called Love Songs, which the hook of it is some songs ain't love songs anymore, about a woman who crashed my show in Nashville and kind of had me stop playing a song. Um, so we've got a song for her. We've got Better With You, a song for, I like to say, all my friends and, and the people you love. Um, I've got a song about fear, which I have never done before. Um, and what else do I have on this album? I have a, I have a song about this apartment. Nice. Um, it and- sounds like you're dealing, or you're, a lot of your songs are dealing with changes, almost, like just... I love this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So maybe just me, I'm not a songwriter or anything. Maybe explore that time of when you were thinking about leaving school and the pushback you were getting from your mother, maybe just kind of revisit those moments in your life. I love that. And just see if there's something there, like obviously not to dig too deep into it. No. But I, I hope you know my brain's already turning. And as soon as we're done with this, I am going to go and start working on something. <laughs> nice. Awesome. I will wait to hear that song that comes <laughs> out of this podcast. Because, I, I, you know, it's so funny because I do like all these podcasts and stuff. And these are the type of conversations that I really enjoy is just like getting deep into the creative process. And a lot of musicians, they just don't like digging that deep into it because they they save it for the writers rounds or they save it for the co-writes and all that stuff and it's like no let's let's dig into this let's talk about this yeah so 
no, no that's, that's i love that thank you yeah for sure um so you said the album's pretty much done you just got to work on this uh title track that hopefully i just gave you the uh the uh the bug in the ear about exactly what what's the uh what are you how often are you playing like live shows and stuff is that something you're doing pretty consistently or i've kind of taken a little bit of a seat back from live shows just because now after having a body of work i find so much joy in planning a full show um after having an album completely done and i feel like covid kind of took the fun out of that away for me with the last one so um i'm just kind of in the writing room trying to finish up this idea that we just started on and then i'm excited to kind of finally like plan a show and get on the road and come and see fans because it's just been too long (laughs) for sure for sure and you know it's i think that's when an album really gets the support it needs is when and it sounds very traditional but it's a proven way to promote music you put out put out an album and you go tour it it's the way all the big guys do it so it's the way that we did it before social media and i think it's still the way that wins absolutely especially on the independent scene like i don't know how big your shows get like if you're bringing like a a whole back line and you know all this i don't know like i don't know all that but on the independent scene i'm sure if need be you could do a trailer or a tour for pretty reasonable pricing and not make it a huge ordeal so totally well and i'll say it here first i i've been really thinking through the idea of especially before the album comes out Mm -hmm. there's still so special to me about you know, like coming to Nashville and you hear, you know, songs at the listening room or whatever, mm-hmm. just for those people who don't know, it's you're sitting on stage with four other songwriters and you each take a turn playing a song, just strip down you and your guitar. And my love for country music really did come from being able to pull out a guitar and it, the song shine, you know, just as much, if not more mm-hmm. than the recorded version. So mm-hmm. I'd love later this fall to get on the road and just kind of hit a bunch of different venues with just me and my guitar and just play some like cool, intimate venues with fans who want to hear the album before the album comes out. So we'll see. Nice. Nice. I I will say that if you come to Texas, I will be at that show. Just like the chilled out, like normally I like going to concerts where it's so loud and it's so big that I'm deaf for a week. You know, I enjoy that, but there's also that, man, if I can just, meet go to like the bar or the coffee shop or wherever it's at and just have a chill week or a chill couple hours where it's like just enjoying the moment so absolutely well you'll be the first invite i hope you know (laughs) awesome awesome if you come to texas i will be there i drive pretty consistently i am that psychopath i love it so awesome oh so outside of music what do you do when you need to decompress what's a what's a day in the life of alley without music let's see i turn to my ipad a lot to uh to bring me some excitement through like random drama tv shows i feel like that's how like i de-stress these days um, between that and i've been rock climbing recently nice yeah like Like actually going out to the mountains and rock climbing, or are you doing like rock wall? Not quite yet. I enjoy just having like the color showing me where I need to go. 
at, at some point, if I get brave enough, we'll go outside. <laughs> nice, nice. What kind of drama TV shows? Like, are you talking like trash TV where it's like the trashy reality stuff? Or are you talking oh, yeah. more like SVU and stuff okay, like that? So we have, we have two different sides. SVU, yes. and like Criminal Minds, all of that. Love, love, love. But it needs my full attention. Yeah. So that's the like if I'm feeling like it can have my full attention, if I just need like some background noise while I like scroll through my phone, that's when we go to like the Kardashian side of things and like yeah. all of, all of the other trash TV, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that's the stuff that my, si like my sister tells me all the random reality shows that she watches and I'm like, she was like, yeah, I was watching little people in Amish country or, you know, just like some random thing totally. like that. And I'm like, wait, what? That's yeah. actually a show that, you know, just like the randomness that she pulls out. And she's like, yeah, when I got to feed the baby or whatever, I'll just turn it on. And it's kind of there. So It's kind of nice. It's, you know, sometimes you just want to hear people screaming in the background. It's, right. It's <laughs> I, I just recently started watching Yellowstone and kind of getting into that whole universe. So that's I haven't done that yet because I'm I'm the kind of person who cannot stop. Like for instance, yeah. the new Selling Sunset episode came out the other day, and within yeah. two days it was done. I just yeah. I don't know what I do trying to get through Yellowstone now because yeah. I'm so far behind. Yeah. Well, that that was the issue was, well, because I mean, you've got time to watch the all of Yellowstone because the last bit of the final season isn't coming out until November. Okay. But that was the issue I had. I was, it was right around Christmas time. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just start watching Yellowstone because I was working remotely at the time. And yeah. we were, I think we were in the middle of like a snowstorm. Yeah. Texas had a really random snowstorm. I, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay home. And I was like, okay, I'm going to turn on Yellowstone. And I just ran through all four seasons in the course of like three days. Yeah. <laughs> and then, That's good, yeah. yeah. And then I caught up to season five and I was like, okay, like season five was in the middle of it somewhere. And so I was like, okay, I started watching season five, got caught up. And now I'm sitting here. I'm like, I want to watch like the rest of it. Like, and it's not totally. coming out till November. So it's like, oh man, I don't want to sit here and wait. So. See, and that's why I, I don't think I started Grey's Anatomy until last year. Mm -hmm. And that was the greatest thing, like waiting to start that because I don't even know how many, how many seasons there are now, but there's enough seasons that I'm good for a while. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I started doing. Cause so when I was in college, I started getting really into law and order SVU. And mm -hmm. this was like season eight, season nine, like Stabler was still on the series. That's how long yeah. ago it was. Um, and so I started watching it and then I got out of it for a while just because, you know, it is what it is. And then last year I was like, you know what? I probably need to get back into it and just kind of watch. And I just ran through the entire series. It took me like a month to get through all the episodes. Cause it's like 20 some odd seasons with 24 episodes a piece. And I'm like, okay. oh, well, so. I love it. I actually, you've inspired me. I might have to go back and start all over again. Right. It's, yeah. it's an experience. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so awesome. Um, and so then trash drama TV, 
rock climbing that that's pretty sums up your uh, free time my time i feel like um i'm a big foodie too i love traveling when i can travel and i've been really lucky that especially this past year music's kind of taken me some different places to write and all of that other than that i'm full-time music that's nice. that's what keeps me busy sweet uh, so do you go back home to edmonton at all or how often do you um i feel like i try to go back at christmas definitely because christmas is not the same without snow um, but outside of that, you know, I, I try to get back and see my family as much as possible. My sister just came and visit me a few weeks ago. So nice. kind of nice to have reasons to go back and forth. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I figured your sister was living down in Nashville with you. No, oh, I wish. Oh, she does too. Oh, she would so much love to be here, but I think I don't, I could not financially recover from having her here all the time. <laughs> fair, fair. I don't even know what 100% that means, but fair. It just I guess. means that we're out all the time, you know, yeah. and Nashville, Nashville's a crazy place. You have something new to do every day. That is true. That is very true. But um, yeah, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to sit down and chat a little bit. There is one thing that we're going to do, though. There's okay. a fun little game that we play. I should have had my phone open way before this, but it's all good. We'll get there. Oh, I'm excited. Um, so there's this game we play called That's So Random. Okay. And I have a random question generator. Okay. And I'm going to just ask you five random questions, whatever the generator thinks is necessary. Okay. I trust the generator. Let's go. All right. Here we go. In your opinion... What is the worst smell in the world? Uh, oh, ooh, fireball. Fair. Very. <laughs> Although, fireball, they just showed me this shot with fireball and a Kahlua. Okay, see, that sounds interesting. It tastes like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, I might be back in. <laughs> I, but I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I cannot drink Fireball straight. It's it terrible. It reminds me of I can't anymore. <laughs> so, um, all right, we're going to, let's see. All right, here we go. Would you rather the aliens that make first contact be robotic or organic? Organic. I really don't trust technology. Fair. <laughs> What childhood attribute are you most proud of? Hmm. Oh, that's a very interesting question. Sometimes uh, the question generator gets it on the gets it on the nose. What childhood attribute? I I think just having like a young spirit. I've always been raised on just like being very carefree, going with the flow. And I think that's kind of worked out well for me. Sure. Would you rather be a food critic or a film critic? Food. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a food critic. And then final question. If you were given a whole year without any responsibilities, what would you seek to accomplish? I would travel the world. I would absolutely go and see all the places that I've been meaning to get to. Yeah, that's very fair. I, I think that's a lot of people's regret is not traveling more and, you know, using financial reasons, you know, like whatever it is to not travel. It's like, take those chances. 
And I think like 2020 to 2022 was a reminder for me for that, where a lot of goals I had set for myself in life, including traveling, I was like, oh, music will take me there one day. Mm-hmm. And that was the reminder where it's like, well, if that one day never comes, like you, you better just go and do it now. So yeah. go out and do the things. Yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, and then one thing that just popped into my head that I, I kind of want to ask, since you're from Canada, what's the biggest difference from Canada to the U.S. in your opinion? Like, what's something that you miss about Canada that you don't get here in the states? I'd say my family. I okay. miss having family close. Like the the twenty four hundred miles away thing is a little tough some days. Sure. Very fair. And then, what is poutine? Right? Is that how you pronounce? No, that's actually the thing that the biggest difference between Canada and the U.S. is that it's a shame no one here has poutine that I've been able to find. So it's French fries with gravy with cheese curds. And one of the greatest findings of my first years in Nashville was um, making friends with a girl who's originally also from Canada, who is obsessed with cheese curds Mm -hmm. and poutine and all of the things where she would get it flown in. Like, wow cheese curds so that we could have poutine parties. So if, if you ever do come to Nashville and you want some poutine, you let me know. I, I know the hookup. Okay. Fair. I'm actually <laughs> kind of surprised. I didn't know what that was because I grew up two hours from the Wisconsin border and there's a cheese store that sells cheese curds and, you know, just, and then that's where she probably gets it from. Yeah. And so it's like, you get the cheese curds and then fries you can get anywhere yeah. And gravy is like a staple in every Midwest diet. So it's like, I don't see how this isn't like a thing in the Midwest. We should, thing. We should make it a thing. <laughs> it sounds delicious, though. It's pretty incredible. I'm going to tell you that much. Nice. I, I'm going to have to go to Canada to try poutine. Absolutely. Nice. Awesome. I can't wait the review. <laughs> awesome. Um, so if anybody wants to check out your music or interact with you on social or any of that fun stuff, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, you can find me at gotta be alley. That's G O T T A B E A L E E. And that'll pretty much take you anywhere. Awesome. Awesome. And then before we wrap this up, what's a piece of advice you have for the uh, young musicians out there? Follow your dreams. Don't let anyone else telling you what you should do be the reason you do something. I think if you believe in what you're doing, you just keep doing it and everything works itself out. Very fair. Very fair. Well, once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's been an absolute blast. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat. Um, Once again, anybody out there that wants to support Live and Amplified and everything that we're doing, liveandamplified.net is the best place to do it. You can find our podcast feed, our radio show feed, all the fun stuff that we do in and out of the social media realm of things you can find right there. But once again, we thank everybody for joining us and we will see you all later.